All right. Well, come on. Come back to me. Hey, wow. How good is that? This is powerful. You know, who, can I just get a show of hands? And don't lie if you weren't, but just, and the, but just anyone here who felt, who, who was, who felt that God um, particularly used that, used a moment or a word to encourage them and it, was, and it felt really like it really hit them in a, in a good place today. Who put your hand up if, you, if, that was, if that was you? Can I see a few people who, that, 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 there we go, there we go, heaps, kind of all over. Oh, hands, high, higher hands so I can see them. Where are they? Okay, cool, got it. Awesome, come on. Give it up for God ministering to so many people today. This is amazing. This is so, so good. And um, I just want to encourage you in that. And um, what, what you were doing, in, in my understanding of it, if you were taking a, a word from God, maybe a Bible verse or a, a, another kind of, word for, for uh, encouraging word and pressing it home in the right time. That's how I understand the New Testament to be uh, explaining what prophecies look like. And so uh, what you were doing then is, is doing that. You were, you were I guess, um, depending on what you were saying or whatever you're doing, but uh, you're prophesying, which isn't the word of God, but that was kind of, it's, a, it's leaving it there for, for, for the person to discern and pressing it home in that right point in time. And it's as simple as that. Sometimes people make it really like spooky. You know, it's like this weird kind of like, ooh, you know, kind of like mind reader dude or something, you know, it's just, it's just not that really, it's just taking God's word and, and, uh, and pushing it home, pressing it home at the right time and I just want to encourage you that that was just incredible to watch all of you do that with each other and I think that's just a, a, a really powerful, powerful thing and um, yeah, so we're very, very excited um, about what God is doing in this community right now. Uh, this morning was a, a, just the first, the whole session, first session, second session, I just feel like God was doing something really, really amazing and that he was really opening up spaces uh, for revival and really preparing, preparing hearts and preparing this church for that. You know, this word revival, it's funny because um, I, you might maybe think that this is kind of a thing that I've been on about for a long time. I have been for a little while, but actually there was a big part of my life, the majority of it really, that I've never probably even said the word revival or even thought about it ever before. And the first person to ever bring it up with me ever was Pastor Pete Coe. So would you believe that? So, uh, so give it up for Pete Coe because he's responsible for all of this. Many, 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 many years ago, I have no idea what year it was, do you? 2007. So in 2007, a much younger, still good looking Pete Coe, um, you know, just started telling me about this stuff and I'm like, what? Like re renewal, re what revival? What are you talking about? And then um, he started talking to me a bit about this stuff, and and um, I started trying to read about it and thinking about it. And so this was well before Rice was even thinking about it at all, and well before Rice had an R. Like we, I'm, I'm not sure if anyone's old enough to remember when Rice didn't have an have anything that stood for had R for. It used to just be called. You remember that Johnson? Yeah, you remember that Nelson? Yeah, yeah. When 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 Nelson was helping lead the rice movement and V and stuff, it just used to be called Rice into Church of Ireland because we had nothing for the R. We didn't know what it meant. We just kept, we just had an R because we liked the rice logo, and then um, and then it became renewal and into Church of Ireland because of that conversation with Pete Coe. So there's the history. So 2007 or 2008 or whatever it was, and Pete started thinking about that. And so what I want to say is that you've actually got a pastor and in Pete and, and in Karen who really have been sitting on this stuff for a long time. They've been stewing on this for the best part of, you know, I mean, well, more than more than a decade and, and uh, you know, of just hoping and longing for this. So this is like a, a slow burn for them, like a... a, 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 a um, don't know, that's all I got. Slow burn for them. So, <clears throat> uh, so they've just been 
um, stewing away at this, and and I believe that the timing is so right uh, right now for your church to to have uh, uh, this this conference on renewal and revival. So we're very excited for it. So I'm going to pray, and um, <coughs> I'm going to ask the Lord to move again because He's just moved so much already. I can't think how much more can you do, but I really believe that um, now we've had that talk on purity. Uh, we're now going to think about power, and. I believe those two words, purity and power, are very significant for you today. So why don't we uh, pray and um, ask the Lord to move. Father, I pray. I pray, Father, that you would move today in power. Father, I pray that you would move as your word goes out. We know it never returns to you empty. And you showed us that this morning. And I pray, Lord God, that I would just get out of the way and uh, you would do your work. So Father, we just ask that you would position us well. And I do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and sweep and revive. That you would breathe on dry bones. Right now I ask, Father, that you would breathe on dry bones. If there's anyone here who's feeling a little bit dry, in their spiritual life. You know, I honestly think it's as simple as you just saying to God right now, breathe on me. And he will. So if that's you right now, I encourage you to ask him. Holy Spirit, come breathe on us today. Awaken our lives, awaken this church. Bring revival on it. We do thank you, Father, for the faithfulness of Pete and Karen, the years that they've been sowing in here. And I just pray, Father, that some of their prayers from, from a long while ago would just come to life now and you'll just bring the answers. And we pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. We all said... Amen. Amen. All right, everyone turn to the person next to you and say, you're ready to hear from God. Come on. You ready to hear God? Come on. Are you ready to hear from God? Are you ready to hear from God? Good. Awesome. Wow. Well, um, I really um, just think that one of the things that is very significant today is that you guys need to realize, and you can see uh, why, one of the reasons why it has got you to be activated and you to actually do the ministry is that the role of, of Pete and Karen and Dom and all the other, just the, um, the, the staff team and ministry team here uh, is actually to activate the saints in ministry, um, according to the book of Ephesians is to activate the, the saints of ministry. And so one of the things that's very significant is that I, I want to make sure that nobody leaves here start to, like thinking in any way, okay, cool, so uh, um, I'm just going to hear this thing and take away information and then go and decide whether that's for me. I really believe it is for you, and I believe that what the Lord needs to do to you today is for, is for I want to kind of rebuke, if, oh, that's a strong word early in the sermon. Uh, I just want to rebuke any kind of um, lie in, in your mind that Satan might be putting in you that says, this is not for me, this is for someone else. That this is, that, re, that, that if revival was to come, it is not 
uh, going to happen through me. It's going to happen through that super spiro, spirit, spirit, spiritual dude or spiritual person. Because what I need you to understand is that God chooses in his own timing to use anyone for anything at any point in time. And through the book of Acts, we see that. We see some of the most unlikely, uh, you know, moments and people getting chosen that end up sparking worldwide revival and the birth of the early church. And so um, I, I guess one of the first things I want to say is that God, when it comes to revival, God can use anyone. So can everyone say that? Say, God can use anyone. Go, come on. And turn to the person next to them and say, God could use you to bring revival through this church. Come on, come on. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it. God could use you to bring revival into this church. You know, um, do not be surprised, even though that was kind of, I forced you to say that to each other. I... <laughs> It really, really carries truth. You know, like, I, I have no idea who it is in this room that God might pick up and use to spark a whole uh, move of His that will transform this church forever and go out. I mean, you just have no idea, you know, like, I'm, uh, you, you, just never, you never have any idea what's going to happen or what words someone gave to someone that might activate something that, that spills out and changes a whole nation, you know, like, I'm looking at Dom, who's your, um, uh, who, you know, who's now a pastor here. And, like, I, just, I haven't caught up with him yet, but, like, I, Dom just reminded me then when I asked him that I, I so I knew Dom when he was um, thir 13 years old, right? So, that was the first time this little dude, little guy called Dom, pretty cute little guy, man, actually, 13-year-old, came in, he was a good-looking little boy, good-looking, still good-looking, still good-looking, right, Jody? Right, Jody? Yes, 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 he's like, uh, amen to that. But, like, you know, and he came in, and he was just, you know, a quiet guy at youth group, at um, a youth group that Naomi and I started called Cornerstone Youth, and he came along and he was just there and just doing his thing. And and I, if I was to at that point think this guy is going to be used like he has been, you know, uh, to impact so many people as a pastor, I would just, I mean, I would have hoped, I guess I would have hoped so, but I mean, and I saw a deep faith in him, I always saw that, but I didn't know. And so what you do is you just minister to whoever's in front of you. And so I actually ended up being able to do that with Dom for a number of years and all the way through his high school life and a bit of, I don't know, a bit of uni and whatever, I don't know, where, I don't know, I've just lost track, I'm hopeless with years, you know, no idea how long we've been going. But, but, but what I'm saying is now, now our, our paths have, have diverged of, of late, um, not for any bad reason, but just, right? Okay, sure, good. So, so, uh, but, but, <laughs> but, um, but what I'm saying is God can use anyone at any moment and in any, he can use you to activate anyone, right? So I'm not at that point going, I really think this guy's going to be the guy who's going to impact the Southwest City Church. And like, I, I, no idea, right? But you just activate whoever's in front of you. And I'm trying to say that to you today. You know, like today when, um, you know, when I'm calling on people to, you know, to come forward and think of, uh, in, in the Soaring and Surrender song, and we're thinking about who he is getting touched for, you know, for Asia, for other countries, and I'm looking at you know, all sorts of people, and one of the, one of the co-kids actually came forward as well, I was like, wow, you know, like, that's just so cool, because I've got no idea if anyone, if that's going to happen with anyone, but what I'm saying is, these things uh, uh, might seem small, but they're actually very significant in the grand, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, you know, so what I'm saying is, wherever it is, whoever it is, God can and He will use you, I'm not sure if you're hearing it, say it one more time to the person next to you, God can and will use you, come on, tell them, tell them to the person next to you, come on, say it like you mean it, 
So at any point in time, I want you to know that so often we, we think, who's the, who's the big leader in this room? You know, who's, I mean, right now, if I said to you, who's most likely to be the person in this room that God's going to bring revival through, right? Right? <laughs> and, and I'm wondering if you're thinking that, right? And, and, and I want you to really literally have on the table, have all this open-handed, not without any pride, say, God could use me. And, and, don't, and that's not a stupid thing. It's actually, he really literally could use you. And I want to put that before you and go, and for you to go, wow, am I really, really ready to be used like that? So some of you have been impacted, perhaps, and I hope, hopefully over the years through the rice movement and the rallies we've done. And that's because I, um, so I'm going to try and show you the web of matrix of relationships that happen in a room like this. That's because I became, I, I grew up in a Christian home, and I'm really thankful for that. And that's because my mum and dad um, became Christians. And the reason why they became Christians from the Buddhist background is because my uncle, who's sitting in the back row, Uncle Chungpin, uh, is right there. And Green, give us a wave, Uncle Chung, Uncle. There he is, right? Because my uncle was praying for my mum, and he came out to Australia, and he wanted to, and he became a Christian, just in, in Malaysia, and came out here, and then was so on fire for that that he then uh, was praying for mum, and then through a series of events, led my mum and dad to Jesus, right? How good is that? Everyone excited by that? How good is that, right? So if, if it wasn't for uncle, I mean, I mean, in God's providence, he could have done it anyway, but I think, I mean, at least in how God's plan, if it wasn't for uncle taking that step, right, to, to, to do that and, and, and invite her to the Billy Graham thing, you know, who now end up being my hero, but uh, Billy Graham is, but like uh, uncle invited, you know, mum and, mum and dad to go to the Billy Graham uh, crusade, you know, and um, apparently, from what I understand, that uh, mum and dad's excuse to not go was because they had this crying newborn baby uh, called Steve, Steve Chong. And, you know, they're like, oh, we've got a baby, we can't go out to this crusade. And so uh, I, uncle took me and said, look, oh, did, I think, is that what happened? So you gave, uh, something like that. So you, he, he, he gave up his ticket or something to, to go and said, oh, Bill babysit me, this, you know, change my nappies for the night so mum and dad can go. And then mum and dad go, they hear about Jesus, they walk forward to get their life to Jesus Christ. How good is that? Right? And so what I'm saying is these chain of events happen, and then that because, because of that, then mum and dad then um, you know, become Christians, get established in the faith, uh, 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 are now really key leaders in their own right, uh, have raised my brother and I to be Christians, and then I've and, 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 and had evangelism in my heart from the beginning, and then I've you know, got involved in, in starting the rice movement, and then we've started to spread that out, and it's, it's going around. It just keeps going, right? And that impacts Dom, and that impacts whoever, and then you know, Pete impacts me, and you know, the whole thing is a web of of revival that God is moving. And so what I'm trying to say to you is every conversation counts. So today, whoever it is that you're speaking to, you might have a moment where you're like, wow, this is a moment that God's going to use to activate and move and awaken and breathe his life into the church. You need to understand the most unlikely people have been used by God to bring revival. Let's just go with something really obvious. Let's go with the book of Acts. And... A guy named Saul. I mean, are you kidding me? You want to talk about unlikely people to bring the gospel to the whole world through the Gentiles? We're talking about the guy. I mean, it's, it's such a jolt. You know, I was listening to the book of Acts, um, the audio version the other night. 
And uh, our kids listen to the Bible as they go to sleep. And so we, um, we kind of put it on the speaker so we, everyone has to listen to it. So we've got no choice. So we kind of, it's blaring away. And we listen to the book of Acts. And, you know, all the kids drop off by, you know, by chapter two. My, 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 my first daughter and my other son's, like, they're gone, right? Chapter one, two, three, you know, some of them keep going. Then Reuben eventually drops off. And then Caitlin's the last. And they're listening. And we keep going. And, and it's funny, you know, they're listening. I'm, I'm wondering when they're going to fall asleep. And they're listening. And it's like, and they're going along. And the story's going. And there's Saul. And he's killing Christians. Right? And there's Saul, and it has that ominous moment when Stephen is martyred, and it says, and there's Saul, they laid the cloaks at Saul's feet, and Saul there is nodding in approval of the killing of Stephen, right? And then I'm like, man, if you fell asleep, then you really you missed the end of the, I mean, it's such an ominous note to finish, because then it keeps going, and then what happens is, then uh, God turns up to Saul on the road to Damascus, and he meets him, and then Saul has the most crazy conversion, and then Saul becomes Paul, and then Paul goes out, and boom, writes most of the New Testament, right? So like, this is a big, crazy thing. Who would have thought that God would use someone like Saul to bring revival to the world? But he did. And that's because he can choose to do that through anybody. And the truth is, um, people, some, uh, even, even the Christians then, when, Paul, when Saul became Paul, when Paul was converted, in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, when Paul, the converted Paul, comes to Jerusalem, Paul, I mean, I feel so sorry for Paul. Like, Paul's on fire, right? So he's like, I've seen Jesus. Everyone needs to know about Jesus. My whole life's about Jesus. And so when Saul, sorry, when Paul came to Jerusalem, what did he first do? He tried to join the disciples. Right? Can you imagine this Paul going in going, I'm fired up. I'm going to go find the leaders of this, of this Christianity thing, and I'm going to go join them. And it says, but they were all afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. So the disciples themselves were like, uh, not this guy. It can't possibly be this guy. Are you kidding me? And they're really afraid because this guy's probably on, you know, he's, he's undercover. He's going to go and take us out. And this guy comes in. And what I'm trying to say to you is this, that sometimes even Christians can create those barriers. And, all right, so this is a bit of a, bit of a dig here. But sometimes Christians can say, look, surely not that guy. I mean, you know, surely not that guy. And I, I've talked to people who are now leaders in their own right, who have got some stories that, um, you know, um, and that, that, that show that in, in those moments, it, it doesn't look like they're the right people to lead. But God picks them up. And so what I want to say is, if you right now are one of those people where you went and, 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 and some of you were like, hey, look, I walked forward during that time trying to deal with the sin in my life. It, it can't be me. I've got so much godliness issues to work out. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait until that's all sorted out. I want to tell you, God can do, again, in an accelerated way, in a moment, uh, and he can pick you up, and he can take you, and he can use you to bring revival into this church. Amen? So let's get ready for that. Let's be open to it. And so the, the key to doing um, to, to this is that, is that um, uh, you need to be really open to whatever God might do. When I was just recently in America, uh, I um, had this extraordinary moment where I just, um, I, I don't know where, what your original thoughts were when the whole Kanye thing happened, right? Like, so Kanye is brought out, when he, bring, when he comes out, and he brings out um, Jesus is, what's it called? Jesus is king, right? And, and, and there's all these news reports, Kanye's come to Jesus, and I mean, I, I'm just terrible. I, I mean, I, I wanted it to be true, but I, I just kept thinking, this, this, like, it's pretty, it seems un, so unlikely, you know, like, and I kept thinking, oh, maybe it's a thing, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, 
a stunt or a popularity. I mean, I want, and I keep, no, 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 you got it, you got it. And, and the thing is, it's just, it's crazy, you know, like I, I, I have, to, I've never really shared about this up front, but I, I, when I was in America, I, I went to Kanye's concert and it was the, it was the first, it was like, uh, what, um, what do they call this? It's Sunday services thing. And I went there uh, and it was, he just started them out and I just through some actual miraculous uh, means ended up getting a ticket from someone who was in Kanye's choir to tell us to, to, to go and sit like almost front row at this thing. And so I went there and I had no idea what to expect. And I, I just want to be able to at least be someone here who's firsthand telling you what it's like. There, that was the most gospel-centered, I, I mean, any talk, any speech from that day, I would have happily had a rice rally on stage. It was so gospel-centered, it was so Jesus-focused, it actually felt like the most, I, I was in a dream, it was like revival was happening, they did, the, they did two or three altar calls, where people basically got told to repent of their sins, uh, come to Jesus for forgiveness, and call Him as Lord. And that he's the king of your life. And just to watch streams of people, even people around me who were just crying, who came just for Kanye, they weren't Christians, who, who came and ended up just pouring out, giving their life to Jesus, was so powerful. And I think um, one of the things that I think God is doing is really extraordinary at the moment is that he's even moving people in the entertainment industry and people in all sorts of spheres that are unlikely that God might do and he's actually opening up things. What if, I mean, would you be open to the fact that God might use Kanye as a revival evangelist for the world at this time? I mean, um, would you be open to that? Um, and, and the truth is, God can do anything right now. And so what I want to say to you is this. God can use anybody, and it's about positioning. It's about where have you and how are you positioning yourself for the wave of God and his revival? It's a bit like surfing, not that I know anything about surfing, but presume not many people surf in here. Who surfs? Anyone know how to surf? There we go. We're in a, definitely in an Asian church. So, so <laughs> that's right. So, that's right. Uh, so, we're, uh, from what I understand, from watching surfers, uh, what they're doing all the time is they're on their surfboards, but they're bobbing and they're kind of moving along and they're trying to get into that right sweet spot uh, so that when the perfect wave comes through, they get carried. They paddle to get in the right position, and then when the wave comes through, they get carried. And I believe that this is a bit what it's like. I actually um, uh, really do believe um, that God is on the move right now. Uh, we're seeing this globally. We're seeing God move in power in some extraordinary, extraordinary ways all around the globe right now. And it actually is one of the most exciting times for a Christian to live, in my opinion. I'm saying some pretty bold statements, I know, but you can come and ask me a bit more details about that later. But as far as I see it, and as far as um, many, many uh, key leaders around the world are speaking uh, to each other, and they're saying and, 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 and seeing that God is on the move in a way that is something that is almost um, unparalleled in many ways. People are uh, expecting and feeling like this big wave is about to come through. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, some you can, you can uh, but, but I mean, in the end, I believe that big waves coming through. And the question I, uh, I want to ask you, Swek, is, is this church ready? Because if you're in the wrong position, you're not ready to catch that. Uh, that thing's going to either blow right past you or you're going to get knocked over in the process or I don't know what's going to happen. But I tell you, God is on the move. It is happening worldwide. Uh, Asia is exploding uh, and um, one of the reasons actually is just is partly to do with the stages of revival. Um, there's a guy named Mark Sayers, 
And um, if you haven't listened to his podcast on revival called I've Forgotten, the podcast is called This Cultural Moment, there's, uh, write that down. It's worthwhile listening. He will also give some commentary on why uh, uh, he believes that revival was about to, to hit. Uh, some people are saying that, that uh, I'm not saying this is scripture, this is all discerning, but some people are saying that, 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 that we're about to see a biggest wave that's perhaps bigger than the Great Awakenings. Uh, and, and Australia, there's a lot, a lot of attention on Australia at the moment too. Um, and about and what's going to happen, Australia's proximity to Asia and all of that stuff. It's all about to happen. I feel like it's about to explode. And um, I think something's on it. And what Mark Sayers is saying that is that revivals always move through a few different stages uh, historically. And so I'm going to give you just a few. Um, uh, he, he, calls, he thinks there's five stages. The first one is dark days. Uh, where people abandon their faith and worldliness dominates and the church has become pragmatic rather than spirit-led. Anyone see that in the church at the moment? I mean, and, and the world right now, this is it. Right now, it, I mean, secularism is, is, is everywhere. Uh, uh, sexuality is up for grabs. Uh, uh, religious freedom is, 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 is hanging on a knife's edge. Uh, everyone is gripped in fear from coronavirus to... Everything, like I said, I mean, the coronavirus, everyone's gone mad, right? Everyone's, everyone's gone mad. We've all gone mad. Everything's gone crazy. Everything is just sitting there. There's this, there's this whole uh, fear-driven society. Worldliness is dominating. The church has become pragmatic. And in those spaces, um, what move, tends to happen is stage two, which is he, he calls um, hitting rock bottom. And so what happens is um, the, 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 the church hits rock bottom. It kind of almost feels like it's, it's almost like you're, you're trying to plow through cement. Anyone felt that as a church? <laughs> because like, yes, right? He's not saying anything bad about you. It's not you guys, right? He loves them. He loves you. Love so, so I'm saying like, you know, all, as a church, it feels like you're plowing through cement. It's like, where's the harvest? Where's the revival? Where are the lives changed? What is going on? And then suddenly, um, I mean, in, that, in, those, in, the, in the stage two dark days, um, he says, that here are the things about hits rock bottom, sorry, hits rock bottom, a remnant forms, um, sick of status quo. So some people start getting together, basically people, Christians start getting together and they're just sick of status quo. They're like, you know what, I don't want to grow old and die sort of living in this status quo. I'm restless, I'm discontent with this, and it's time to go and seek what Jesus has. And that remnant, still in point two, hits rock bottom, that remnant begins to fervently pray with desperate intercession. So I don't know whether any of you here be starting to feel a, feel a nudge from the Lord going, I want to be in that remnant who is just ready to fervently pray. I'm, I'm in. I'm just, and some of you are nudging and, you, and you're ready starting to feel, you know what, after this, I'm going to just grab a few. I don't even care whether this is, you know, sanctioned by Pete Coe, but I'm just going to start getting pray, praying together. It's sanctioned by Pete Coe, although he wants you to pray. So, if, you know, so like, um, you, you know, just go and grab, you, 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 some of you are starting to think, I want to be part of that. And there's different groups beyond SWEC as well that are starting to do that. They're all popping up everywhere, like little, little groups, little houses of prayer, starting to pop up everywhere. And um, also in that time, um, uh, there's a longing for God to move, but it's always accompanied by a desire to do something about it. So it's not just, I'm longing for it, but it's actually, I'm longing and I'm all chips in. I'm, ready to, I'm actually ready to be used, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to do all of it. So dark days, stage two, hit rock's bottom, uh, hits rock's bottom. Stage three, then leaders start to emerge. Uh, and so always in history, in the revivals and even the book of Acts, uh, leaders start to emerge. And um, in the leaders emerge that it, whose character and actions embody revival to come. 
and, and they gather all these longings and ideas of people that are around and the remnant and they personify them, sharpening and expressing them and giving them visibility and they become kind of a lightning rod for where this activity takes place. And I actually believe that in, in, in your church, Pete Coe is one of those people, Pete and Karen, I believe that God is raising him up and, is, and, and um, bringing back to life old dreams of theirs and, I, and he's becoming a bit of a lightning rod for your community. But I believe there's other leaders around and other communities around both in Sydney, in the nations, uh, in Australia, and in the, in the world, that God is actually bringing together and using to organize and rally people beyond that. So, um, so unfortunately, in Australia, we do have a bit of this tall poppy syndrome, which tends to, tends to cut those, that stage down. But don't, don't, don't allow that to come in. God will raise up leaders that will, uh, that will help orchestra, uh, organize what God is about to do. And then the fourth thing is this, is uh, fourth stage is respond, uh, respond to culture. And so what happens is revivals then express themselves in a particular context, the brokenness in that particular culture, and movements start beginning that address things in that culture, in that space, in that time. And um, so, uh, so, for example, the Methodist movement, when that came out um, uh, with Wesley's, uh, Wesley, Wesley's response then was to, you know, stuff to do with parish boundaries and moving, and people moving from countries to cities, and so uh, he came in and created this new thing, and so what God's doing is, we need to, so what we need to do is, as a church, we need to start thinking, what is it that God's doing? What is actually happening in our culture, in our area, in our, in our world that we're needing to respond to? And then the fifth stage is this, theology returns to orthodoxy. So this is really interesting. What they found through all revivals in history is um, something really unusual, which is that um, there's a return to simplicity. That the simple tenets of Jesus, the cross, um, just become central, and everything just starts going bare. Mark Sayers says, formerly complex theological concepts suddenly become lived out truths, not just ideas anymore. They're not, right? So you guys got that? So formerly complex theological concepts suddenly become lived truths, not just ideas. They said those who um, had right beliefs but were cold suddenly become hot as their theology meets action. So this is what starts to happen. The cross becomes central. It says preaching becomes not mundane, <laughs> but I hope this is not a mundane talk, but, but, but unction, spirit infused, and areas that the church Areas of the church that have compromised theologically actually begin, begin to wither, uh, and, um, and a new revitalized, new biblical regrowth comes, uh, and I'm not going to name any denominations and things like that, but I feel like that has happened uh, around. And so um, there's a return to New Testament methods, apostolic faith of the early church. And so what I'm saying is this, these things are, are happening, and I believe that uh, while theology is very, very significant, I love theology, uh, what happens is that people start getting less interested in debating the nuance of significant theological ideas, which are still worth talking about and thinking through, but they become more interested in what unites and what divides, what, um, how, how to put those things in action, um, and how to let theology come on fire. And that's why it's not all about purity. It's not all about not just purity in our lives or purity in the church and purity there, but it actually needs uh, to interact with power. It's to interact with the Holy Spirit's power and what He's going to do. Because as God moves, um, what you'll find in revival times is that there's an acceleration. So it's like the Holy Spirit is poured out in an accelerated measure. And don't we want that? My goodness. Don't we want that? Anyone here want that? Yeah. Pete Cohen, a few friends. Anyone else? Good. We want that. We want the Holy Spirit to pour out 
in unmeasured, bountiful measure uh, and, and pour out on us. And in acceleration times, um, it, it's like that. It's almost like you get time warped. Things move really fast and really quick and almost like time kind of just goes out of proportion because it's just like God is moving so much. I've just heard of a revival um, where uh, recently uh, in, one, in a country where uh, they had a conference where they were going after revival. <laughs> this is funny. They were going after revival like this. They set aside a church, set aside three days for normal talks and whatever to do that. And then God turned up like in the craziest ways, like he just basically got, people spent, people were so touched by the Lord that they just spent the whole time weeping. They couldn't even do it. The preacher couldn't preach for half of it because he was weeping. And then occasionally they'd get up and they kept going. And then they were doing that for day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. They, they just, they, they never ended the conference. They just kept going for like two weeks because, because they just, they're just out of time. So people didn't even turn up to work. People were just like, I don't care. We, we are just ready because we're just enjoying God's presence so much. Now, I'm not saying that you can go home today if you want. It's okay at the end of the day. But, but what I'm saying, you see that? It's, it's like when people are so gripped by God that you just want to stay there. You're like, and I've, I believe actually we've had a few moments like that already today where I was just like, man, you know what? I don't even want to talk. I'd just rather just stay here for ages just doing this because I, and, and, and I really want us to lean in for that because that kind of acceleration is to come. Um, just a personal testimony, and, and this is um, in, in no way about rice, but I want to actually tell you that I actually, uh, um, and I haven't shared about this publicly before, but I actually wanted to just offer some personal um, testimony. I actually feel like rice has experienced that acceleration anyway in the last couple of years and it's been beautiful to watch and Pete's been watching that. It's just been a powerful thing. I just want to tell you it's a beautiful thing to be involved in. Uh, there's many other movements that are doing very, very exciting things and I just want to say that in, when you're in it, it's just extraordinary. It's just like, it's like God is just moving and, 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 and things are almost effortless. Uh, and so I'm expecting and praying for an effortless time of acceleration for Sweck. Who's praying for that? Yeah, come on. So um, we believe God's going to do that. And, 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 and things sometimes accelerate in miraculous ways in, under the power of God. In the book of Acts, some crazy, I mean, I reckon one of the craziest stories, there's a lot of crazy stories in the book of Acts, but I reckon one of the craziest stories in the book of Acts, there's so many, in terms of miraculous acceleration. God was wanting to move things so fast that, that, that at, at one point, Philip was going and, and speaking to a, the Ethiopian, Right, and so God tells him to go to the chariot, go on, talk to the Ethiopian. He gets uh, converts. The Ethiopian gets converted, uh, and we don't know exactly how much the Ethiopian then went on and, and changed his area. But he gets converted. He gets baptized, and then in Acts chapter eight, verse thirty-nine, it's just the most extraordinary thing. And then Philip's there, and then the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and he appeared at Azotosis and traveled around preaching the gospel in all the towns. I mean, that guy just got literally transported. He got teleported. No, no joke. I mean, it's in the Word. That's what happened. He literally got teleported. There's a miraculous acceleration, you know, and I've prayed many times for that gift, but I've never got it. So that's right. I mean, it would make my airfares much cheaper if I could just um, turn up in Malaysia and uh, come back as long as it's enduring season. Okay, so, Pico, that's for you. Here we go. So, um, acceleration happens. Now, let me tell you more about the power of God. Today, we're talking about uh, the Holy Spirit's power in revival. One of the, <coughs> one of the key things... <coughs> that has happened all the way through, all the way through um, uh, the book of Acts, is that, and I'm going to give you a, a really, a really cool hint. And once you see this, once you hear this, you're going to see it all the way through the scriptures and all the way through the book of Acts. These two words, when these two things collide, 
I think it's one you see you see power. Uh, word and spirit. Everyone say word and spirit. When you see um, word by itself, it's powerful. When you see spirit by itself, it's powerful. But, but word and spirit colliding together, that is, I believe, the crucible of revival. When, when God's word and spirit come together and are heated up by the power of God, that is unstoppable. That's the most powerful thing in the universe. When you see the word of God and the spirit come together, I mean, I mean the word and spirit was there, um, you want to, I mean, talk about power, you don't, um, in Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters, right? And then what did God do? He spoke. And when Word and Spirit came together, what happened? Then pretty something significant, like a whole world was created, right? Creative happened. So when we're talking about God doing a new creative word work, His Word and Spirit coming together is extremely powerful. And so I, I want to ask you, are you committed to both Word and Spirit? Where do you lie on that spectrum? of word and spirit, and how do you hold those two things together strongly to see power go there? Next thing is this. So everyone, uh, you can write down, so God moves through power, through sometimes through acceleration, power through word and spirit. And uh, I know we've talked about prayer already, but I want to just emphasize powerful praying. Uh, he can move powerfully, powerfully through prayer. And I believe that sometimes our prayer life um, ha- can be a little bit... Um, Oh, I don't know how, I feel like I'm, I'm saying things a little bit too harsh today, but I just keep, I just keep, really? I just keep saying, words keep coming to my mind, I think, why, I don't, I don't talk like that normally. Well, I think, I think, I just think sometimes our prayer life can be a bit limp, you know? Is that all right to say? Like, it's just like, oh God, if you don't mind, would you be willing to, like, you know, whatever. I, you know what, we can, we, we can pray in the power of the name of Jesus. And do you know how powerful that name is? Do you, do you know what you are calling on? Like, you know, people in, when I was in Africa, um, back when I was 21 years old, and I was dealing with regularly every day with witch doctors, right? Even they know, it, they, they freak out when you, when you say, when you pray, whatever, but if you pray in the name of Jesus and you say that, they freak out. They literally physically start, you know, I, don't say the name, you know, because they know it's that powerful. And we here in the West, we have that same powerful name that we can pray at any point in time. We kind of just, and we quickly finish, in Jesus' name, I'm in. You know, like, not Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the same Jesus that was raised from the dead, the same Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father right now, in that name, I am praying that this happens. You understand that? That kind of power that comes from Jesus must be grabbed hold in our prayer life because I believe that there are a lot of strongholds that are over people's lives, whether it's the stuff we've talked about before, some of the sins, some of the things that are happening that we actually need to, uh, to speak against with the power of Jesus Christ in prayer. And so what I want to say to you is this. I've actually um, seen some of this crazy stuff happen that is just... Uh, it's blowing my mind. Naomi and I recently have, uh, have, have met some friends who have this ministry in Hollywood. And you need to understand, these guys, I've, I've never seen anything like it. When these guys pray, <laughs> it's so, so dumb to say it, because it's obvious, it is true, but they, they actually believe that their prayers will change stuff. Now, I mean, I know we all believe that, but when I mean they, they believe it, they actually believe it. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're going to pray until something happens because they're so sure that Jesus will do that. And they pray big things. 
So what happens is they go into Hollywood and they go into a building on, um, what's that road? Sunset Strip, which is like the, 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 the center of where all things, so much of the darkness of so much of things in Hollywood is. It's a really dark place. And what they do is then, they go into a building because they believe God's told them to start a house of prayer and a church um, in this building. And they get the building, which is right in the dark, darkest depths of where I believe Satan is doing so much horrible stuff. You know, the brothels and everything there. And what they do is they pick a building that is opposite um, uh, Hustler Magazine, right, headquarters, which is like, um, if you don't know, is, you know, just a, a magazine that really objectifies women. It's just one of the biggest, you know, like it's just horrendous, right? And, and what they do is, so they go in, and so you know what they start doing? They start praying against the work of that, of Hustler, right? And I'm like, well, that's intense. They, they actually pray full on that that happens, and they pray, and they say in the name of Jesus, we don't want this to impact women anymore. We want this done. And they pray, and they pray, and they pray, and no kidding, the next day, the next day, Hustler uh, closed down. They went bankrupt. It's extraordinary. Then they went and, then they went and stood outside Playboy Mansion and prayed for the same thing to happen. And something similar happened, didn't it? There was a newspaper article saying, Matt, the next day, the next day, financial trouble over Playboy. Blah, 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 in trouble, blah, something, something. Like, it is crazy. These guys really go and they go and take, over, take on strongholds and they pray for things to change and things to move and things do. It's... um. It's extraordinary. I just think sometimes think our prayers are so limp and, 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 and lame sometimes. And actually, we've got the power that comes through that. And that revival, in, 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 that kind of prayer is needed. And you know this group, the same group, they started to realize they've got a ministry to Hollywood. And so what they did was, this is um, how many years ago? I don't know, seven or eight, I don't know, years ago or more. They, they, they had a prayer meeting and they asked God to show them names of um, Hollywood or celebrity type people that they're supposed to pray for. They said, God, just give us a name or two to pray for. And so God gave them two names. Uh, he gave them Demi Lovato. And they started praying for her to become a Christian. And how many years later, she's joined their church. Isn't this absolutely crazy? And the other name they got given was Justin Bieber before anything happened to him with the Christian stuff. And so they just prayed it in and they prayed and they believed God was supposed to pray for, told them to pray for justice. So they just prayed and they, they, they had him every, they had um, all night prayer things and they just prayed nonstop. They just kept going. Uh, and, it, and they prayed for quite a while. Like this took like a year or two or something before any breakthrough. And then next thing I know, they find out that Bieber's uh, got baptized and stuff's happening and he's joined Hillsong. And like everything is just, it's crazy. Now Bieber's mum is they, somehow it's connected and they, Bieber's mum's found out that they were praying. Now Bieber's mum's joined their church and everything's just, it's, the whole thing's crazy. And they, now they've started praying for um, different members of the, uh, um, of, um, of the, of, of Hollywood. And now Angelina John Lee's brother turned up the church and uh, got um, baptized um, because they're praying for their family and they believe that Angelina's going to come next. And they're just, they're just constantly going after it. This is crazy. Right, so this is what's happening. They they're actually going. You know what? These things that are too big that people see are big mountains. Great, because God's in the business of moving mountains. Do you understand that? God is in the business of moving mountains. So this church, 
must not have limp prayers. Each morning, our kids, we teach them to pray a prayer, and they pray as they go to school, um, God, is there anything impossible that you want me to do today? You know what they're doing? They're saying, because they're, they're praying this beautiful prayer, because we've taught them that God is the God of the impossible. He can do the impossible. And so they're like, let's just act on that. Let's not just make that a theory. Let's go, well, if there's something impossible you want me to do, and you want me to do it, I'll do it, right? So I want us to, as a church here to start thinking about that. How do we pray with the power um, that, that, um, that comes from, that we have access to from the Lord? Amen? Okay, cool. Just a few more quick points is this. Um, uh, in, when, when, when God's power moves through, we see a, every single time in a revival, every single time, we see a huge harvest. My favorite point, I'm an evangelist. I love this, right? When we, we should be expectant uh, that God will bring a harvest in uh, to this church and more. I want to ask you something really big now. I want you to boldly dream for how many conversions, uh, how many people God could convert and bring uh, into your church here at SWEC, into your church by the end of 2020. I want you to put a number in your head. And, uh, and whatever that number is, you got a number? Come on. All right, now I want you to double that number at least. And then maybe double it again and then ask God for it. And as you start feeling the strain of that number and you're like, uh, we, we need a new building, great. And then ask for the new building and ask for the Lord to move. Because that's the kind of bold praying, the bold kind of things that can happen. Because as God pours out revival, we will see huge harvests like that. Huge, huge harvest. In the book of Acts, um, you know, uh, the power, uh, God gave the, the disciples power in Acts chapter 1. Jesus, sorry, Jesus in his, uh, not transfiguration, what's it called? I'm getting tired. Ascension. In his ascension, um, he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And then with great power in Acts chapter 4, it says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so, here's the word again, powerfully at work in them all. Everyone say the word powerfully at work. God's grace will be at powerfully at work in you. That same Holy Spirit that was given to the apostles is the same Holy Spirit that you have at Sweck. Don't, don't, don't allow yourself as a church to sit back and say, well, that's not for us. Don't shortchange yourself, Sweck. Don't shortchange yourself. God could bring revival to this city through this church, through this group of people here in this building. I've heard it said that the only, <laughs> the only reason why we don't have revival, it's a cheeky statement, it's not exactly true, but I hear, I hear what it's trying to say. The only reason we don't have revival is because we're willing to live without it. The only reason we don't have revival is if we're willing to live because we're living, willing to live without it. Are you willing to live without revival? Because if so, there's no room for that. There's no room for that, not here, not today, not in this church. Every single person here who loves Jesus should be yearning for it, longing for it, and wanting it. And so what happens, you see through the book of Acts, is that more and more people came into, uh, at, one, at one stage in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, after Peter's sermon, those who accepted his message were baptized, and how many were added to the number? 3,000 in that sermon. I don't know what your number was, but man, I'm very tempted to pray for that many salvations at Rice Rally, <laughs> right? 3,000 were added at the end of that message. 
Is it possible? I don't go, oh, that just happened in the book of Acts. God can do, and he has done that. He's raised up many times through history of, of where we've seen things like that happen. Great. So we've got um, an acceleration. We've got word and spirit. We've got powerful praying. We've got powerful evangelism. And we've got um, a powerful contagiousness then begins um, in the church. And so uh, I'm, I'm just going to say this one real quick. I want to use a, a Leonard Ravenhill quote for this. I love this quote. Um, because, and, and sorry for those who like a good bit of marketing. I, I don't mind a bit of marketing myself. But um, here's what Leonard Ravenhill says about revival when it comes to uh, marketing your church and trying to get people to it. He says this. <laughs> I love it. He says, you never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there's a fire. Likewise, if your church is on fire, you won't have to advertise it. The community will already know about it. You got it? When this church is on fire, people will know, people will come. And I know you guys do some great stuff at the whatever fair it is I always see on Facebook, the Bankstown or something, something fair. And you get out there and you do things. It's amazing to that. But, but be on fire and watch people come. Watch people run to where the fire is. The next thing that happens is this. When power moves through revival, it actually has such a big impact that it actually doesn't uh, stay contained to a church. It actually flows out. It actually, in, let me just show you the stages quickly. It impacts the individual. Everyone say the individual. Okay, then it impacts the family. Everyone say the family. So that's marriages, that's um, uh, siblings, that's friends and close friends. It impacts that, that group. Uh, then it impacts the church. Everyone say the church. And then it impacts, actually goes beyond, it impacts society. Everyone say society. What we're looking for is a revival that will actually change and impact all of society. You know, when revival, some of the great, the Welsh great, the great Welsh revival, which you need to read about, which is extraordinary. Uh, you know, um, people were really, they'd hit rock bottom, they'd hit dark days, uh, um, particularly with alcohol. So people were just drunk on the streets, um, marriages and families all falling apart because of, you know, mostly husbands getting drunk and the whole thing, alcohol was, had taken over society. And then revival hit. The Holy Spirit came in Wales and so many people, so many thousands of people came to know Jesus and the churches burst so much that the doors couldn't, people couldn't keep into the, people couldn't fit into the churches. This happened in such a rapid time. And do you know what happened? This is a crazy line that I found out about the breweries making beers all started going out of business. So the, the breweries started closing down the factories because no one would buy beer anymore. Like, it's just so, it starts actually impacting society and industries. And I want you to know, when we were in Brazil, you know, there was this powerful moment when the Brazilian president, the president of Brazil, who didn't even, uh, the, 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 the team in Brazil uh, tried, didn't even invite him because they didn't want to make it political. And so I found out from the organizer that they tried not to invite him. And, and then he, there was no tickets left anyway. And then two hours before um, one of the sessions, the Brazilian president rang into the, rang the auditorium, rang the, one of the stadiums and said, look, I know there's no tickets left. <laughs> the president of Brazil, but could I come? I just want to come. I want to see what's going on. And they're like, I can show you came. And he came in and, and um, crazy stuff happened. He got on stage and said a couple of words and then encountered Jesus. And the Brazilian president, and I, I, I got firsthand knowledge of, uh, the, from the organizer who was on stage and said, as the Brazilian president came off the stage, he was just in tears as Jesus was touching him. The president of a country gets drawn into this and encounters Jesus. It's just so powerful. 
And what I'm saying is this, what would it look like for you to pray powerfully that the whole of Australia gets changed? Can you, can you, I know it's almost like, feel like you're giving up, but don't give up because God can actually change this whole, whole nation. Listen, as I finish up, I'm just going to um, just tell you a couple of things that I want to press into right now. And I just want to say that when the Spirit moves in power, sometimes things happen that are a little bit outside of the box. And um, all the way through the book of Acts, when we see the Holy Spirit move, uh, we see that obviously at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit lit the whole thing up, right? So the Holy Spirit comes, boom, the Holy Spirit's there, and um, the whole thing lights up. And so what happens now is a whole bunch of things happen in the book of Acts that are like uh, not prescriptive. That mean, does, by that I mean doesn't mean that must happen now because it happened in the book of Acts, but definitely are, are paradigms and, and, and uh, good principles by which to look at. And so what happened was spiritual, in the spiritual realm, activity really increased. So what happened was, um, there was all sorts of things, like, you know, I'm not sure, you read in the Bible and you kind of think, man, does that happen now? And I, I believe it does. Um, uh, in Acts chapter 5, for example, um, we have angelic visitations. During the night, the angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail. Um, and in Acts chapter 8, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to that road and do this and this. So, so, so God sent his messengers to, to his people. And um, uh, I think in revival times that can happen and we should expect that to happen and we can be open for that to happen, which is great. And also on the, other, on the flip side, um, demonic spiritual forces get pushed back in, in revival. So in Acts chapter 13, um, there was a sorcerer and um, that sorcerer was blinded because he was uh, in witchcraft and things like that. So I think we need to be aware of that, that even though we in the West sometimes stop thinking about the whole demonic thing, uh, the truth is actually uh, demons are real and the devil does have... Um, servants, and that he he's, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion, and we had to pray against them. In the miraculous, as I finish up, this um, uh, it, uh, all, a whole bunch of signs and wonders start to happen, uh, and so healings happen. And um, I, I want you to be open to that. Healings, yeah, you can come, um, Ed. Healings really. Um, uh, are something that we should be praying for boldly. Sometimes we're afraid of that, and I understand some of the dangers of that. So we've got to be careful for promising and assuring healing that will happen if you pray hard enough or put that on the person. But what I do believe that we should be doing that we're not enough doing, similar to the prayer being limp, uh, limp and lame, is that we are not actually going hard after healing. We're not actually praying decisively for it. And um, I, I actually believe that mental health issues are some of the biggest things that are going on right now taking over our whole society and young people and the whole next generation is getting crippled by that. And we need to pray into that. We need to pray against that. Uh, and we might do so today as well. Visions happen. Uh, Paul has a vision of a man in Macedonia in Acts chapter 16. And so um, what I want to say as I finish up is that God can really use you. And I want you to see this. Um, I want you to ask yourself, could God use me in power, could God use me to see a huge harvest like that of that number? Because sometimes this stuff can just tickle the mind. And I really, really don't want this church to come away going, I'm just kind of, wow, I'm interested in a revival now. The point of this session is actually for you to go, could he use me? And not just could he use me, I'm going to put it one more step boldly. Will you use me? So right now, I'd like everyone, please, to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I just feel ready to pray right now over people. And I'm going to pray something pretty bold. You know, um, 
In Psalm 85, 6, it says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And in James chapter 4, verse 8, one of my favorite verses in the whole of Bible, it says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. Draw near to Him and He will draw near to you. I'm going to make a bold call right now. I'm going to ask that God comes in power over people here today, some people here today who feel like that they are really ready to ask God to use them. Who really want to be used for revival. I want to pray that. And I'm actually just going to pray very simple. I'm not going to do anything crazy or anything magical. I'm just actually just going to pray that the power of God comes on you and fills you and that your dry bones awaken. And as Summer and Edwin sing this song over us, and we're going to join it in a second too, there's a line in there that says, that calls on dry bones to awaken. And I'm going to ask that it happens. But I'm not going to let you be um, uh, safe in your seats because um, it's quite easy. I'm not even going to just do like our hands up with eyes closed thing because if I do that, then and you can quickly kind of slick it up and go, oh yeah. But actually, I, if you, I want to, I'm going to in a moment ask you to come forward if that's you because I'm, I believe that that act of boldness is a signifying step of what's needed. If, you, if, you, if you're not willing to be bold in front of your own Christian family here, then how are you going to go out there when you're going to be used for a revival? So I don't care whether you're a leader or not a leader, or an old person, a young person, a kid or not a kid or whatever you are. I'm just going to ask um, that the power of God come upon you. And uh, to do so, I'm going to give you a moment now to think about whether that's you and whether you want that and how much you want that. And I'm going to call on you to come forward on the count of three. And then I'm actually hoping and expecting that there'll be a bunch of people who will be just running forward because um, you just really want to be used by God. And it's not about a, this is not a look at me thing. This is actually a, a moment where God will use you and uh, activate you and give you what you need. And I'm just going to ask the same power that came on the apostles and the people in the book of Acts and the people in the Welsh Revival, the same Holy Spirit to come on you right now. And I'm going to get um, Naomi to help lay hands on you and, um, and we're going to do that and whoever else wants to, um, it's whatever. We'll do it. Okay, so Naomi and I will do it. Okay, so I'm going to um, count to three. And when I've counted to three, if that's you and you feel like you would like to receive power, to do anything it is that God wants you to do, your dry bones to awaken, and for you to be used as a channel for revival. And I want to ask you to come forward, and we're just going to lay hands on you, pray for you, and sing over you. So let's go. One, if you want this and you really want to be here, you need to say to God, I'm ready. Two, you need to ask Him to say to you, just fill me today. I want this so bad. I want revival. I'm not settling for anything less. And so three, come forward. If that's you, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Come on, come on, come on, let's go. Come on, come on, let's do it. I'm just going to lay hands on you and pray for you right now. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray Holy Spirit to come. 
Holy Spirit, come on these guys right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, fill them right now. Some of you might be, even as, as we're praying for you right now, be really experiencing just, just feeling the Lord's presence on your life. And that's just the Lord right now doing things on you right now, filling you up. So Holy Spirit, I pray for power, a power on high, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to fill them right now. So Holy Spirit, I just pray right now more, more and more. More on you, more on you, Father. More, Father, on these guys. Give them all that they need. All they need, Lord God. Let's give them all they need, Father. Everything they need, Lord God, to be used for revival. More and more. Meet them here today, Lord God. Meet them here, Father. Use them, Lord God, for revival. Fill them with power on high. I pray, Lord God, for the greatest harvest to come through this group. The hugest harvest ever to come through this group. Yes, Father, we pray for more more of that. Now everybody else is